Hey everyone, BT here. On today's episode, I've got our CEO and my partner, Steph Tuss, talking to us a little bit more about leadership. You know, we just wrapped our four-part lessons on leadership in which David and Steph talked tremendously about what it takes to be a leader in today's world. And uh, she expands on that idea today as she talks a little bit more about what leadership looks like to lead yourself, invest in yourself, bet on yourself, and more importantly, like the tattoo on her wrist says, to trust in yourself. I would encourage you to go and listen to, actually go on Instagram and follow at Steph Tuss. She's doing an amazing job about leadership, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this particular conversation. So without any further ado, let's get started. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. BT here and welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. So good to be back in studio. And today I've got uh, our CEO, Steph Tuss, with us today. How are you? I'm just fine. How are you? I, I always love that question. You never know what you're going to get. No, I'm, I'm just I'm just fine. No, I'm great. Um, sorry about the congestion a little bit today, especially for those out there watching and listening. Uh, just got off of an epic road trip where we uh, traipsed across country and back. So we're fresh. We're new, but I do have a little congestion, so I apologize for that. A little cold. That's right. Some people may enjoy this side of me, though. I don't know. I Mm, guess we'll see. It's very sultry. It is very, very sultry. Well, hello. Uh, So anyway, the the reason I wanted to have you in studio today is obviously you're, you know, a big deal around here. You're taking more of an active role in front of the camera. We've had you on the podcast more and more, and we're going to continue to do that. And over the course of this summer, we ran a four-part Lessons on Leadership series where you and David basically went into four key areas around leadership and what it takes for a person to run a successful business, because that's what we're all about here, the successful mind. So, You did an episode on scaling, you did an episode on hiring, you did an episode on communication and accountability, and then you finished off last week with the final episode in the series, A Players versus B Players. And then just yesterday, to sort of put a bow on this, David did a solo teaching around uh, what we call the answer is leadership, where he had just a glowing review of what it is that you are and what you have brought to the table being a part of Life Is Now. And I know it makes you a little uncomfortable, that episode. So, but the people, people want to go back and listen to that. It, it, you know, like I said, it just dropped yesterday. Go check it out. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But um, he expressed just how amazing you were in taking over the role and assuming the role and pushing uh, the company forward and, and seeing amazing growth in all areas. So I guess to start out, since, you know, I've known you for almost 25 years of my life right now, there's some questions I have never asked you about leadership. So when you look back over the course of your life, when would you say you embrace the role of being a leader? I mean, before I was conscious of it, I guess. Um, I've always kind of been just a take charge person. I think it comes from my childhood. Um, I had a, a, a wobbly sense of security. I think I would I would call it, um, which allowed me to develop, um, what did it allow me to develop? I would say it allowed me to develop um, emotional intelligence. Um, it gave me the ability to read people. It gave me the ability to 
um, navigate my my environment to know what's needed kind of in any situation. It kind of made me uh, the the peacekeeper in a way, um, also the savior. And, and while those things have negative attributes, if taken to an extreme, they also have positive attributes, right? There's a gift in everything. So I think based on my childhood, it really... Um, it really shaped me into being someone that took charge. And it didn't, I think it first started out as being protective. I was very protective of my younger brother. Um, I was very protective of um, people who, who I, I kind of identified as um, not able to protect themselves, maybe. Like I was the person, I was the kid on the, on the playground that would stand up to the bully um, rather than, you know, shirk away from the bully. So I think that that caused people to kind of follow me because I was the one out front saying, that's not okay for you to do that. I had a very strong sense of right and wrong and a strong sense of justice. Um, and I, I just think that, that that started at a very, very young age. Um, I remember, you know, kindergarten, first grade, standing up to to, to bullies in my in my class and also being told many, many times to stop being so bossy. So I know it was there. Um, interestingly Which, enough, you know, I did this Facebook post. I was just going to say, <laughs> I wanted you to talk about the Facebook post because it got a huge amount of response yeah. and definitely want a Facebook, Instagram post that you put out talking yeah. a bit about it. It was that. a Sheryl Sandberg quote that I put out and it just said, I wish something along the lines of, I wish that every 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 little girl who was told she was bossy was told she had leadership skills instead, um, because I think that me as a as a child it wasn't okay for me to be bossy. You know, girls at that time. This is a long time ago. I, mean, I, was, I was born in nineteen seventy five, right? I'm not a, a spring chicken. I'm forty. Well, you look you look like a spring chicken. Old. Yeah, thanks. Forty seven years old, younger than you. Just putting that out there. Um, Ouch. Well, there you go. Um, and. You know, at that time, it wasn't really okay for girls to be outspoken. It wasn't okay for girls to wear boys' clothes. It wasn't okay for girls to to ride dirt bikes, all of which I did. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't okay for girls to be to be leaders. And I was shut down a lot. Like I, I mean, I, I said this before. My nickname um, come from a long line of dairy farmers, right? My nickname was Bossy the Cow. Not because they thought I was fat, but because there was always one cow in every herd that would lead the lead the way. Um, and it was said in a derogatory way. You know, stop, you know, okay, Bossy the Cow, stop being so bossy, right? Which then, looking back, told me that I had kind of innate, you know, the the willingness to, to kind of lead. That being said, I never wanted to be in the spotlight. So I would lead quietly, but I never wanted to be in front of large groups of people, I was, I always flew kind of under the radar, which is kind of an interesting, is, like, yeah, it's like very uh, counterintuitive to one another. Being a leader means you're forced into, if you will, the spotlight, but then you also, for a great deal of your life, sort of yeah. shirked that. Yeah. Well, even with life is now, I mean, I've been CEO for six years now and for the last five, I've really been behind the scenes, you know, leading behind the scenes, not really being in the spotlight. So this is kind of, uh, uncomfortable and also super fun at the same time. Yeah. And just to get back to the, to the Instagram Facebook posts that you did about, you know, being bossy and hopefully, you know, 
we translate that into leadership skills. I, it got me thinking about, you know, how you, you talked about when you were a kid, you know, the, the word tomboy was thrown around a lot. And I'm sure that's a horrible term. If you think about it right now, um, yeah. a girl who likes to skateboard or ride bicycles or go play in the mud, that was never the, the picture that we had of the, the little princess who was to go through life doing her hair and painting yeah. her nails and doing all that stuff. And it's so cool to see that we've got, you know, two girls ourselves that um, I now know where our oldest gets her strong sense of justice, which you just told me there at the beginning <laughs> as you went through talking about how you um, attained your great leadership skills. But it's interesting to see how even those two have really accepted and embraced the empowered female, like no, no problem comes without a solution. It's it's here, it's here now. And you've been instrumental in teaching that not only to, to our our kids, but also to the many people you you see on a day-to-day basis, the clients we work with, the 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 workshops we hold. Um, it's just really interesting to see how that plays out. And from a leadership standpoint, to see how you've sort of grown and accepted this role over time. Um, I remember when I first met you you know, we were, we were just young kids in our early twenties. And, uh, very quickly you became the face of the teachers union in, in California. And I don't know if you talked much about that in, in previous episodes, but what was interesting about that is, is I never actually looked at young people as leaders. You know, we want all of our leaders to be, to be old, to be wise, to be seasoned. And that's why we keep, you know, electing like 70, 80 year old people into the white house, right? We, it's, it's nice to have that young, that young, uh, you know, mind and the young, people uh, coming up and doing these sorts of things. But I remember thinking what a tremendous responsibility that had to be because you were overseeing people who were nearly twice your age, maybe more, and trying to rally them to the cause. And this is a teacher's union, so I mean, take it for what it's worth. But that was a tremendous, I feel like, fulcrum in my knowing you to be able to say, look, I can do this no matter what the adversity. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So you know, my role as, you know, president of the Teachers Association came for a number of reasons. One, <clears throat> I was really dissatisfied with with how everything was run. Um, there was a huge disconnect between the school district and the teachers. Um, I didn't feel like anyone was listening to anyone else. And in my mind, a leader isn't someone of authority. I think that's a huge misnomer. I don't see leaders as someone who have authority. I think I see a leader as someone who represents other people. So when I took, when I was elected, I didn't take it. When I was elected president of the Teachers Association, I really felt my role was to be the voice of a group of people. It wasn't because I had my own agenda necessarily, but I wanted to give teachers a voice and then bring that and come to a compromise with the, the teachers association. So I felt like if someone could just be neutral and listen to what people had to say and then break that down into concise, like this is what's going on and then present it to someone else, that that, that might make a difference. And excuse me, I said this before in a different podcast, but you know, my dad is, well, he's been, he, I've been a recovering alcoholic since I was 16, right? So by the time I was 16 and really understood what he was going through in my, my later teenage years, a big lesson that I learned is part of the serenity prayer, which is accept the things you cannot change and change the things you can. And I, you know, went to school to be a teacher. And I also 
adopted the belief that I was going to teach for 30 years. And after the first two years, I was saying to myself, I don't think I can do this for 30 years. So either I need to like get out now, or I need to try to change the things that I can and accept the things that I can't. So that's what really created, you know, really like pushed me to step forward in that role in the teachers association. Um, it was interesting being a 23 year old, 23, 24. I right. was either 23 or 24, early 20s, um, early 20s sitting at a, a negotiating table, negotiating, you know, multi-million dollars worth of how the, the um, district was going to spend the money. And quite honestly, and this, this has been a lot of my life, you know, not taken seriously, right? Like underestimated. underestimated. Yeah. Um, but I had a very keen understanding of our contract. I had a very keen understanding of budgets and how they worked. And so I would listen quietly. And then when I did talk, I didn't come from an adversarial place. And I think that's key in any leadership position is that if you're a leader of a group, you're, it's not you against them. It's you for them and you with them. So I didn't see myself as sitting across the table. I saw myself as sitting next to and seeing how we can work this out. But it does take two to tangle. And that became very, very difficult. And then I got pregnant and had a baby and think got even more difficult because she was really sick. And that's when I we decided to move um, to the Midwest, to Wisconsin, to be closer to family. And I left that that role. I think a lot of good was done during that time. I think the teachers came together more solidly, that we were listening to each other. There was less division between what was called the old guard and the new guard. So, you know, I think that that brought some great things. We did uh, reach a bargaining agreement, which was great. Um, so I think a lot of good things came out of it, but um, I think more good could have could have come from it. Sure. Well, well, and it was, a, it was a proving ground for you. If you think about yeah. it, you know, when you, when you stop and look back and it's easy to connect the dots looking backwards, of course, but you know, that's really where you started to realize that there was a, a there was a different direction for you that was coming. I mean, when you said, you know, you assumed that teaching was going to be a, a 30, 35 year career, you were going to walk away from that and, you know, go off and retire or do whatever it was. You started to see the, the light sort of come on. And I know I, I felt the same way, but I truly believe that I would have been a lifer had it not been for you because, you know, you were the <laughs> one who broke away from, and I make it sound like you were in a prison of sorts, but you broke away from that to start your own business. And then um, you had to assume a completely different leadership role. And at the time, you didn't have really any employees, maybe an employee of one uh, or two people. Um, so how was that transition from going from, say, the classroom where you were leading, you know, a, a small group of young people and inspiring them to do better for themselves to going into your successful nutrition practice and how you had to assume not only the, the role of the leader of your clients, but also the small people, the, the small shop that you ran um, and how did you, how did you lead them? I think I had, I think when I transitioned into my own business, the lessons that I learned in terms of leadership was the importance of leading myself. So when you're in a, when you're in a job, you know what the expectations are, you meet the expectations. Well, I did anyway, and, and went above and beyond a little bit, you know, submitted grants and, and created extracurricular activities for my students and their parents to, to really, you know, fall in love with learning through book clubs and things like that. But it's very different because you know what the expectations are. You know what your day is going to look like um, with running your own business for the first time. And, you know, I didn't have any entrepreneurial experience like nobody in my family had ever 
had their own business before, unless you count my, like my grandparents farming, but even then, you know, yes and no. Um, I really had to learn to lead myself. Uh, and I think that's the first step in, in, in being a good leader of your business is learning to lead yourself. So many leaders today have expectations of their team and their employees, but they don't actually follow through on their expectations for themselves. So what that looks like is being your word, right? If you say you're going to do something, you're going to do something. That means I had to lead myself in making sure that I I got back with my clients in a timely manner, making sure that I was constantly looking at finances so I know how many more sales I needed to bring in, booking opportunities for me to make sales, getting myself to walk into corporations and factories and offer to do free talks and free trainings, reaching out to people that I thought could benefit from, from what I had to offer. You can't just like go to your office and sit there and expect business to come in your front door, right? It was like, I had to hustle. That's where I first learned like real hustle. And that is leading yourself. You've got to get yourself to do the things that you really don't feel like doing or that feel uncomfortable, right? I mean, talk about feeling uncomfortable. I was brought in to do a nutrition training for executives of Frito-Lay, so I'm standing in front of this room full of high-level executives in, from Frito-Lay Corp. And in the back, the whole back is lined with Frito-Lay snacks, Doritos, <laughs> Grandma's Cookies, Pepsi, like you name it. And I'm standing out there telling them, you know, how to eat healthy to maintain energy and to increase um, uh, the productivity, their productivity sure. levels, right? So sure. it was like, and you... I, I just, I mean, I just, I just had to do it. And I did that through humor. I would like, you know, make jokes yeah, about the stuff in the back of the room. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that was, that was what I really learned when I first started my business is I didn't have any employees. It was just me. Um, you know, I was creating everything. I was managing everything. I was, I was doing everything. Yeah. You were, you were lead generation. You were marketing, you were speaking, you were servicing, like think about all those things. Now you've got people around you who do those other sorts of things. But back in the day, and I think most entrepreneurs feel this and they relate to this story is that you were a solo shop. Basically you might've had a receptionist or somebody running your calendar, but that was really it. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Uh, But I think, I think that, you know, the couple of gifts in that is that, A, I learned to lead myself because, I mean, you either do or you don't. You either sink or you swim, right? And I was not sinking. I was not going back to teaching. I was not going to prove all those people, right, right that said I'd we'll be back to teaching. We'll hold your space, they said. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I also think that me doing all of those roles set a standard, whereas when I hire people, I'm not going to fall for any excuses because I've done all those roles. And I think that's what I bring to this role as well. Like I've done sales, I've done marketing, I've done copywriting, I've, I've done all right. of the roles. So then in hiring and in looking at what the standard is for that, that role, no one's going to tell me, no, like I'm not going to buy into anyone's excuses because I've been there and I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the uh, cross training aspect of the fast food industry. You know, you learn how to run the counter, you learn how to run the fryer, you learn how to flip the burgers, you do every little thing because in the event that something happens, you have to be thrust into service. And I think that's, what's really cool. And I I know that a lot of people, you know, you're, you're a known commodity around here. People know who you are. Steph Tuss, CEO of life is now you've been, you know, in this organization for, for many years. Mm -hmm. And what I think is impressive about all of that is, you know, people can say, Oh, it's easy for Steph to us, you know, 
it's easy for David Nagel. He gets that all the time as well. And the truth is, is you've been there before. You've been at a difficult place in your life where you would get notification from your accountant on Monday how many sales you needed to make over the course of the week in order to keep the operation in flow. Plus, you had a risk-averse husband who was, you know, always stressing about the importance of money and what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And you just assumed that, okay, I need to make this amount this week and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And what I love about that is that is the epitome of leading yourself. You were always working and willing to lead yourself. And I think that above all, so when people try to connect with you and say, well, it's easy for her because she, you know, she had everything handed to her. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous because I know in those early years, that was definitely not the case. You had to hustle. And I don't look at us as being people who hustled. And I also don't look at us as people who struggled early on. But when you look back at it, um, this has been a, a long, slow process to get to this place where you're at right now. And it makes me so proud to see the person you've become come because you've really learned to embrace this leadership role. And I had a question down about, you know, would you say that leaders are born or leaders are made? And from the sounds of it, you know, you had leadership skills, but you learned how to hone those at an early age and it just continues to grow. You don't stop with leadership. Like you're always trying to challenge yourself. Would you agree with that? You're always trying to figure out what's next and how can I embrace that and move this company forward? Oh, absolutely. I'm fascinated by, by people. You know, I'm fascinated by, by understanding how people work and, and, and their behavior. That was the thing with my nutrition practice. You know, it's, it's super, super easy to teach someone how to be healthy. It's not rocket science. You can freaking Google it. I mean, you can go anywhere and get information for free on how you can be healthy. It's another thing entirely to understand why someone does or doesn't do something, right? And the idea behind leadership is, A, be the leader worth following for one, right? So be an example for someone that says, okay, sh I can trust her. She's her word. She does what she says she's going to do. She's always got my back. She's going to be honest with me about my performance. You know, she's going to highlight her own mistakes. So I know it's safe to highlight my own. You know, I think that it was, it, it, you know, a memory sparked in my mind when you were talking about when we were first starting. Um, Cause a lot of people, we get this a lot, you know, people reach out to David and say, you know, I need to find my stuff. Right. And sure. he, he just gets like, no, you don't need to find a, a staff. You need to find, you know, an ops manager. You need to find a person that can do A, B and C. Right. Because it's just kind of like people just people are so overwhelmed. They just want to like hand everything over to one person and then just have them take care of it, which doesn't happen. Like it just doesn't right. happen. But when we were first starting out and I was just transitioning from teaching to uh, nutrition to nutrition. We had a budget. We did have a budget. And oh, you're going to tell this our story. weekly grocery budget. I'll never forget this, guys. Our <sighs> weekly grocery budget was $125 and there wasn't anything left over. Right. Like, that was it. There was nothing left over. Like we were tight and we had this little house in Midwestern, Midwestern Wisconsin. It wasn't even, <laughs> our mortgage wasn't even that much. Um, but we had this, this budget of groceries of $125, which is hard to eat $125 for a family of four and be healthy, right? It's a lot of helpers. Hamburger, tuna. We wouldn't eat hamburger helper. I was, I was oh, a that's right. you oh, crazy yeah, man. You, that's true. You had to have, you had to look the part of it. Yes. Thank God I mean, your it, husband wasn't a part of that yeah. marketing materials <laughs> yeah. at the time. Um, and I remember like strategically planning my menu plan to give me $25 left over so that I could have an extra $25 that I could put aside 
Yeah, the sort of the unwritten deal was whatever you spend under that, you just get to pocket and go have fun money with. That's crazy to me to think about that. Like, I'm actually mortified hearing you tell that story. First of all, that we were able to eat off $125 because that's no small feat, especially with small children. And also because you're... You, you know, you're a health professional. Yeah. You're an individual who needs to shop organic. You need to run down to the basics yeah. food store and it's pick not, up a head of lettuce expensive. that's $7 versus the one you can get for 99 cents, right? And I remember pushback when it came to eating healthy. And that's so fascinating. I just want to punch myself in the face thinking no, about it right I now. Think the reason I'm telling that is because it was at the same time where I first became aware of the need to invest in myself. Right. So I also think, and this goes on to, you know, I'm always learning, right? I'm constantly investing in myself. Right. I'm, co- I'm constantly taking part in high-end masterminds with other, you know, seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners so that I can get the best information so that I can provide the ve- best service to our clients and also learn what's working for their teams and take information. Everything that I've done, it's not not my own original stuff. Right. I've learned it from somewhere or someone who's then given me permission to make it my own. And that's one thing that I'm really good at is I'm good at taking something that already exists and crafting it to be ours and making it even better. So I think at that time when we were like, you know, shoestringing it, man, Chick, I mean, like whew, it was, yeah. you know, when I was very first starting, it didn't take long for us to ramp up. I mean, it, it really didn't like I ramped up pretty quickly and I was making six figures within, yeah. I don't know, like six or seven months. But those first like <laughs> those first few months were, were a touch and go. And it was that's where I first became aware of investing in yourself. And I, I became aware of that through. Um, someone who I was following at the time, JJ Virgin was my first mentor. Love you, JJ. Um, and she told me to follow Allie Brown, who was doing these e- these e-zines, right? Well, Allie Brown was hosting a, a training call, a teleseminar at the time. Remember those? A teleseminar with Dating this guy yourself. named David Nagel. And it was all about seven mindset and manifesting secrets of multimillionaire entrepreneurs. Like I'll never forget that. And I'm thinking, well, I want to be a multimillionaire entrepreneur. And I know that what is this manifesting stuff? I was completely unconscious. I had no idea about universal law. I had no idea about how any of this stuff worked, but JJ said to do what Allie said to do. And Allie was saying, listen to this guy. So I'm like, I do what I'm, I'm, I'm coachable. I'm going to do what I'm told. Right. No about that. And the first investment for this program was $475. Oof. $475 was a fortune. That's a month of groceries right there. Like a fortune for us. But had I said no to that, I probably would not be here today. Right. Yeah. You had to grow and stretch to get to that point. Yeah. I believed in myself enough that I could make that $475 and I was willing to make that $475 so that I could get this information. And then the next investment was way more when I hired David as my coach, which I didn't have at that time either, but I was willing to invest in myself because I trusted myself to do what it would take to make the money. And I did. And I think that's also a really um, important quality of any leader is that they're willing to invest in themselves because I know that the more I invest in myself, both in time and in money, the better leader I become, the better person I become, the more aligned I become, the more the more the team's going to be aligned, the more the team's going to be motivated, um, and the whole company will benefit. So it's actually, and my, my key question here is, what's in the best interest of the company? It is in the best interest of the company for you to invest in yourself as a leader and as the business owner. If you don't, you stay stagnant. You don't get new information. You stay an island, and that's where businesses go to die, quite honestly. 
is you have to continue to innovate. You have to continue to tap into other resources and other people and other ideas to bring them back to what works for you and your company and make it your own so that everybody benefits. Yeah, and I think what's a, what's amazing in all of that is just seeing the progression of you and realizing that you, uh, you bring a lot of the organization in on the decisions. Like inevitably you're a decision maker. David is a decision maker. That's where the big decisions are made. But you also, you gauge input from everyone. And I think that's why people keep coming back and working with David. Even people we worked with 20 years ago, they always seem to come back around because they haven't found that secret sauce to get them to the successful level that they want it to be and that they see themselves. And what I think is important about that is you look at it and you approach it with a, a fresh set of eyes and you're willing to take, you know, as much information from the, the stack of books that is literally going to fall over on you some night and bury you in, in, in the bedroom. Um, but you also get that from the people you work with, you know, like the, the individuals here that you lean on to help you. You are not an island. I think that's the important thing. I mean, you do have to make those difficult decisions and it makes me squeamish when I think about you having to hire and fire and let go and do all of these other sorts of things. And I really feel for you in those moments because I know how difficult it can be. And because I'm, you know, a, a shirker of uh, conflict, I would rather just hide underneath the covers and not have to deal with it. You embrace it in such a way, but you do it with such dignity and such grace that I think it's super, um, it's very inspirational for, for me to be able to see that, but also for the people you work with, they see what you, what you do. Our girls, they see what you do. Like you are, you know, a, a badass boss who demands and commands the best of all your people, but you also command the best of yourself. I'm over here frantically writing down notes and there's a, there's a common thread that runs through all of this. And Basically, you've said over the time we've spent together here, lead yourself, invest in yourself, bet on yourself and trust in yourself. And you've got trust, you know, tattooed right on your wrist yeah. right there, right? So <laughs> it's important that as a leader that you take care of yourself first and then that allows you to be able to inspire through your actions because you can be a person who can tell people what to do. I thought, oh, I'll be, an, I'll be a great manager for the edible arrangement store that I, I'm going to open up because I can, just, I can just be passionate about it and love what I do and people are just going to follow me. And then the first time there was a conflict, I sort of just just shirked it and ran away from it. You have to be at a place where you trust yourself implicitly to be able to tell people and have those difficult conversations. And you have to make difficult decisions every single day in this, in this job and in, in your previous, you know, uh, nutrition practice, even as a teacher, when you're leading a group of disgruntled professionals, you had to make difficult decisions. So, how did you get yourself to a place where you learn to embrace that instead of just running away from it? Oh, it's still difficult. I think it'll probably be always be difficult for me because <clears throat> my past paradigm is definitely conflict avoidance. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking a lot about this. We just got back from a 30 day road trip. We traveled 7,100 miles yes. all over this country. It was amazing. And I think what, what it, what I really, what it really boils down to for me is one of my key values is adventure. Right. And, and it, not just adventure outside of what I do, but, but life as an adventure. And I think that with any adventure, there are risks with any adventure, there are up times and down times. There are blown tires and there are heat waves, but there are also beautiful sunsets and, and beautiful sunrises. Right. And I think business is the same. It's, it's all, I'm getting emotional. It's all an adventure. Sure. 
Every time I've had to fire someone, it was really difficult for me, but it paved the way for me to hire someone that was better that could move the company forward, right? That led to like, let's call that a hailstorm, right? right? Yeah. But it led to an amazing sunrise. Yeah. Right. Th- that's your it, A player, B player. It really, it really is. It's yeah. like everything's, that's all life is really, is it's one big journey. It's one big yeah. adventure. It's not like you're not ever going to get to some destination and be like, I have arrived. And then you're struck by lightning and you die. Right. Like the whole idea is for you to enjoy, enjoy the journey. And I feel like business is its own journey in both developing myself and developing other people, um, working with clients have seeing them have ups and downs, knowing that I can be compassionate, but not step into their story with them because I've been in those ups and downs, just like ups and downs when you travel across the country, right? You know, ups and downs, being annoyed with, you know, sitting in in a car for seven hours with the same people. Like it all boils down to the same big thing. And it, it just really boils down to me for everything is an adventure. It's worth the risk. And at the end of the day, you're going to be all right. Right. I mean, you're going to be all right. That's what that's what the trust on my wrist is. It's trust myself, trusting that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Like and that's all there is every, to it. Every problem has a solution. So regardless of the conflict, every conflict, guess what? No matter what happens, gonna be we're okay. going to be okay. Every Everything that goes wrong, every mistake, every misstep, every bad result, guess what? We're going we're gonna to be okay. So just knowing and trusting that, it, it like this huge weight gets lifted off your shoulders because you know that no matter what happens... In the end, you're going to be okay. Well, it's the law. I yeah. mean, it's the it's the it, it is it is exactly what this podcast was intended to do was to teach people that there is a successful mind in every single one of us, and yes. if you take a moment to just trust in it and listen to it, you're going to be able to steer in the right direction. However, you have to be willing to make those difficult decisions. Yes. You have to be willing to bet on yourself, and you have to be willing to to take a risk and to do what it takes to be the person you want to become. Got to be willing to get in the car and drive. That's exactly right. I mean, I, I swear there's like a whole series coming up on this about this. I did, as you're talking about this road trip, we just finished and the metaphor for life and how it relates to business and hailstorms and heat waves and beautiful sunrises and sunsets. You're absolutely hundred percent correct in all of it. And I think that's what keeps people coming back to our events, coming back to our free trainings that we offer so often, and just basically investing in in you. I can honestly say wholeheartedly that being a part of Life Is Now has been more fulfilling than even teaching was to me. And I was in the classroom for 11 years and I inspired many students who continue to reach out to me in this day and age. And now they're in their thirties talking about how, you know, how much they loved me as a teacher. And I'm sure you get the same thing, Mm. but people keep coming back around because you can see the passion with which you attack uh, your role. You're not willing to be uh, stagnant water. You are a free-flowing river that leads into this beautiful, wide-open, expansive ocean. And I think that in itself is something that we can all learn to embrace. And and I, I would, you know, challenge the people out there who are listening to this episode thinking about, you know, what role do I play in my organization as a leader? How can I become a better leader? I mean, just listen to what Steph's just finished talking about. I think it starts with you. You take care of your own house first and then you inspire outward and you got to be willing to make the difficult uh, decisions and be willing to uh, 
you know, to, to make the journey. So I think this has been a, an excellent conversation. I, I'm, I'm almost sad to see the lessons on leadership series go away. I thought it was really powerful. I think we covered, you and David covered some very important pieces, and I think that's going to be helpful. I think with what's going on in the country right now, we're going to have a lot more discussion on leadership, honestly. So I think you're right. So stay the, tuned. The series might be over, but the topic certainly is not. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to see more and more of you on the podcast, which I'm sure the the, the listeners are, are and the people who join us on YouTube are going to be more and more um, excited to see you be in the in the main seat. You and David doing your thing, and then hopefully I can come in now and again and uh, facilitate a good conversation. Yeah. And I'm still mortified about the whatever you save under your grocery budget, you're able to keep in your pocket for for something down the road. I we- think that. Babe, we had to at that time. I know. Like we had to at that time. It's it, just, it, it was what it was, and it was it was an amazing time in our lives. Yeah, and, and it you, was where we built. It was where was where personally me I built my self confidence. It's true. Yeah, that's where I built my self esteem in in taking those steps and in moving through all those things that we were afraid were going to happen that didn't happen. Like how many people stop at the fear? Yeah. And we just we just kept moving through it. That's, yeah. that's how self-esteem is built. The, the terror barrier <coughs> was real. Yeah. And you pushed through it. I, I assumed yeah. that the terror barrier was just a one and done. I didn't realize it was a repetitive thing that you have to go through because every single time something comes up, you're butting up against that terror barrier and you just got to push your way through it. And you always did. You embraced it. And you actually, I don't want to say you welcome it, but you do love the challenge of putting yeah. together the piece of the puzzle. There are times where I feel like a two-year-old kicking and screaming. Yeah. Like, really, do I have to do this again? But yeah. But even then you do it so graceful and with dignity. I think it's so amazing. So, but I think this has been really good. I'm, I'm truly inspired by what you do both, you know, as the CEO of life is now, but also the CEO of our life. And I'm so grateful to have you be my partner and partner on this adventure. And I love, I want to go get adventure tattooed on my wrist now just to mm-hmm. be able to get out there and do some more. That's of that. So one. that's, that's your next one. All right. Well, thanks Steph. Thank you. Well, there you have it, everyone. Steph Tuss in studio talking about leadership. I mean, fantastic conversation. It's so cool to sit across from her and hear her tell these stories about early on in her younger years, just embracing the role of a leader and how it continues to this very day because she's always trusting and investing in herself. You two could learn a lot from that. So do us a favor, leave us a comment down below. Let us know how you are embracing your leadership skills. And maybe there's something else you'd like to ask Steph in the in the comments below. Ask some questions. I mean, she'd be more than happy to come on later on and talk about this because she truly is an exemplary leader that we can all follow. Uh, Until the next time, uh, be sure to ring that bell, subscribe to this channel, tell a friend about it, and we'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.